0: Hi, this is Debbie Montgomery Johnson and this show is about each and every one of us being able to stand up and speak up many of us have something something we're hiding something we're ashamed of something that through no fault of our own or through our own making something that we keep hidden and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world good people go through terrible situations wise people know when and how to let it go Everything that happens to us helps us grow. While it might be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. We are dedicating to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and shame and to putting an end to victimization. Let's stand up and become the victor, not the victim. Let's be awesome, not angry. And let's acknowledge what's happened and forgive ourselves first and then move on with power, 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 power. So today I have a marvelous guest, a friend of mine named Angela Hoover, Angela comes to us from Tennessee, and I just want to let you know that Angela and I became friends in India. (coughs) It was, ah, i got a frog in my throat. (coughs)
1: Excuse
0: me. We met in India in January. We were both speakers at the Women's Economic Forum in Madurai, India, and I had seen Angela before because we're associated through Awakening Giants, but I'd never met her. And I've got to tell you, she's a beautiful, smart, engaging angel on the earth. And I was so excited to to have met her over there. But it wasn't until almost the last night when I heard her story that I got to understand who this woman really was and to appreciate that we are sisters by other misters because we have stories that we've kept hidden in the past and now are ready to share them with the present, in the present, because they're so powerful and they need to be spoken. So I want to welcome my friend Angela. Thank you for being here so early in the morning. Thank are you, you for having
1: me, Debbie.
0: Yeah, can you hear me? I can, and, and uh, it's it's early. It's like eight o'clock in Tennessee.
1: Yes, it is early, but that's okay.
0: Well, thanks again so much for being here. This is an important topic. Um, You and I were just talking a minute ago about uh, people sheltering at home and and, uh, social distancing and all that, but social distancing has nothing to do with our topic of abusive relationships because obviously it's the sheltering at home that that's the problem. So I want to get right into this. I want you to tell your story um, to our audience because it's something that doesn't get talked about as much as it should be.
1: Yeah, and when you were doing the introduction, I was like, well, I don't know that I've actually been through anything extraordinary. It's just extraordinary that I actually talk about it. Um, because so many people don't want to talk about it because they're embarrassed about it. And I'll tell you, I'm a professional person. I have a law degree. I have practiced law for the last 16 years. I also have a personal development business, and I'm a motivational speaker, which is why we met in Moderai. And I have a lot going on in my life and a lot going for me in my life. And there are so many people that maybe don't have as much going for them in their lives, but they're still embarrassed about situations that they've been through. And I will say that I was highly embarrassed for the relationship that I had for almost a decade of my life. Um, I met someone when I was 28 years old, and he was very fun. And I had a very serious life because I was a lawyer. I grew up with all your parents and my parents are great. But he was very fun, so he fulfilled that part of that I felt like I was lacking in my life. Um, but the relationship wasn't great. There was a lot of gaslighting. There was a lot of abuse financially, um, emotionally, and also physically. And it wasn't just abuse from him physically. There were times when I started it, um, and I got so angry at the things that I thought he was doing to me that I was allowing to happen to me that i started the physical stuff sometimes and um you know that's embarrassing and that's not something that that i want to be that's not the kind of person i am that's not the kind of person my parents brought me up to be it's not the kind of person that i ever want to be again and it was something that i allowed for a really long time and that was really embarrassing for me and The only reason that I talk about it now is to help other people get out of their situation. Let's go back a little bit. Um, I found a statistic the other day It says nearly 20 people per
0: minute are physically abused by an intimate partner, partner in the United States, and that's men and women. And do you, does it come from a feeling of control? or I mean, I like to be in control but of my own feelings. I don't try to control other people, but where does it come from?
1: You know, yeah, I think it does. It's like when you find out that something has happened, that someone has cheated or that someone has done something to betray you, it's really difficult to get past that when you're in an intimate relationship with them. And it's just, it's something that you have to move forward with. You can't be stuck in, why is this happening to me? You have to move forward and think, what can I learn from this? Or how can I be a better person? Or how can I grow from this? And then it's much easier to take a step back and look at it from that perspective than it is just to be in this, woe is me, why is this happening to me, why are you doing this to me kind of a mindset. It's, it's all about the mindset. And I think you're right. I think it's a control situation.
0: Was there any history I mean, in either one of your families? Had you seen it before? No, no, no absolutely I had either.
1: not. No.
0: Because I, I have met women over the years that, and I've been so impressed by them telling their stories, but it happened when they were children. And then right. as they grew up, you know, it would just persist over the years. And I just so I wonder, was kept wondering to myself, you know, why do you stand something like that? Now, I'm not placing any judgment anywhere because obviously I stayed in a relationship, an online relationship for two years that turned out to be a fraud. And people are like, how in the world could you do that? But what what was it that kept you in that relationship for so many years in spite of what was going on?
1: You know, I got to the point with everything that was happening that I felt helpless. And it was really quick that would that happen. Um, you know, the first time that I gave him money for anything, I sort of felt helpless about getting it back. Well, maybe if I give him this, then it'll build and we can, you know, recoup that money um, that I had given him before. Or you know, and then the the other thing is I was in my 30s uh, when I was with him, and I really want to be a mom, and I didn't have any children, and I was like, wow, am I really going to get out of this and start all over? Um, and so I stayed because I really wanted that family relationship. I'm an only child, and I wanted to have at least two kids, and I didn't have that, and I, you know, didn't know if I could be on my own or wanted to be on my own. And I really, really wanted those kids. So I stayed in the relationship until it got to be just too much. And then I, you know, got myself together. I said, what are you doing here? And I decided that I didn't care if I was going to be alone or childless for the rest of my life. It would be better than being in that situation. And it would be better for me not being this person that I didn't want to be. Did anybody else say this to you? What did friends and family say when they, I'm I'm sure they
0: saw it, or maybe they, maybe they didn't. I don't know, maybe you hit it pretty well.
1: I did hit it pretty well, hide it pretty well. Um, But yeah, they saw that it wasn't a good relationship, and they saw that it wasn't probably right, and they, said things, and they stepped in, and it ruined my relationship with several of my friends. You know, it was difficult when my friends nominated another friend to come and tell me that she found my husband at the time on Bumble and that he had been seen on Tinder. And, you know, that was really hard, and that took a toll on our relationship. And also, I was mad at my friends because they got together and talked about my relationship without me being present and then you know my family as well but my family ultimately decided that they were going to support me whatever because they wanted to be in my life and i think that actually really helped me because i did have a, i did have a supportive parent supportive mom and supportive dad and i knew that i could go to them if i needed to i never did actually go to them until it was over um but i knew that i could but you were you dated this man for a long time before you got married right yeah I kind of uh did the whole you know we're getting married or or I'm leaving situation, and he walked down the aisle, so we got married
2: um was which there was any probably
1: was, was there any abuse prior to that? had you seen anything up until then? yeah actually, the physical abuse was pretty early on um and that all stopped before the marriage so there wasn't any physical abuse after the marriage. It was really financial, emotional, and then just the betrayal um, of cheating and things like that. Well, no, obviously, we're, we're horrible enough.
0: Um, and, and it's uh, you know, it comes to mind, like, what do we do? We as, I mean, the women that I've met over the years that have become victim to something, they're so well-trained, intelligent, beautiful, smart, all these things, you know, from the outside, we're we're looking in saying, how could this happen to that woman? You know, and basically how could it happen to anybody, but how could it happen? What do you tell people when they ask you that question?
1: abuse doesn't see color or class or Mm -hmm. socioeconomic status or any of those things. I mean, abuse happens to everybody in all walks of life. And I think that that's really, really important to know. It's not just something, you know, that happens to other people. It happens in your neighborhood. It happens in upper middle class. It happens in, you know, It happens everywhere, and it's not something that is for people just to turn away from. Um, You know, people really need help, and it helps, I think, when people like me who have my, you know, life together, when we do speak out about things like this. Absolutely. I totally agree on that one.
0: And when you decided to speak out, did you ever go to law enforcement?
1: No. No, you did not. Had you ever thought about it? Um, You know, I thought about it, but I'm, and my neighbors actually called the police a couple of times because of loud fights that we had. Um, But I, I didn't ever call the police because of the embarrassment factor. And because I knew if I did, he would go to jail and that we would have to deal with it in the courts in which I practice. And that would have been embarrassing to me. Then I would have felt embarrassed. Now I realize. That's totally ridiculous. I shouldn't feel embarrassed about something like that. But also, Debbie, I mean, he wasn't always the one that started it. So, yeah. you know, I, I sometimes started it. And that was horribly embarrassing for me because I don't act like that. My parents didn't ever teach me to be like that. And I totally lost control of my emotions on a couple of occasions. And that's not okay.
0: hmm Yeah, I I see that and and it's interesting. I had one time in my relationship online when when one of my older boys, I think he was probably in his early 20s at the time, he actually intercepted um, a message, an instant message on my computer and he just ripped back. In language, I'm looking at this stuff going, oh my gosh, Charlie, I didn't teach you how to be that way. And I got angry at him for you know, ripping up my, my boyfriend at the time, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Deb, you just basically told your son to get out of your life and to leave you alone because he took, I think his emotions took charge and tore up this man online. Well, thank goodness he right. really did it. But I had to go back later on and apologize for the way I behaved because I had been so in. En- wrapped in that story and that love affair that I was willing to push my family away. And so in your relationship, did you
1: find yourself pushing people away? Oh yeah. I was very isolated and very lonely. Um, You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly independent anyway. And I always have been being an only child. My parents, you know, sort of treated me like an adult growing up and, so I've, I've always been able to be by myself. Like the quarantine is not really bothering me because I'm yeah. able to be by myself. <laughs> um, I'd like to be around other people, but it is one of those things that I was super isolated and really lonely, but I didn't really realize it at the time because that's not, it wasn't a, abnormal for me to be alone. Also he um, traveled for work, so he was gone a lot. So there wasn't it wasn't like an everyday kind of situation where we were fighting or or whatever it was an occasional thing over the course of 9 years So what would trip it the most what kind of things would would get you set off Or him Oh I would I would get angry when he wouldn't answer text messages he mm. would you know say that he was doing this thing and it was clearly not true and I would call him out on that you know, I'm a lawyer, I investigate things every day at work, and I'm pretty good at it. And he was constantly turning things around to where I was questioning my intuition, I was questioning myself. Um, You know, well, okay, I can sort of see his points. But then, you know, looking back, it's like, what were you thinking? Oh, my gosh, clearly, that was, you know, not true. Clearly, you were correct about your um, you know questions about these things and and everything and then when I would question myself and when I would get mad at myself for either not knowing or questioning myself that's really when I got angry and got out of control myself
0: mm-hmm. and it's interesting I found this other statistic says most cases of domestic violence are never reported to police which is exactly what you said but your neighbors did. So did the cops come to the house? They did a
1: couple of times. Um, and and you, You're in a small one, town, right? Is Franklin relatively small? You know, yeah, we call it a small town. We're growing. But it's a suburb of Nashville. And um, they did come to the house a couple of times. No one ever uh, got arrested in Tennessee. There was an incident in Florida where he did get arrested. Um, and I went and got him out of jail. So, so what? What? How did the
0: police react to you? I, I bring this up because um, the first thing that we tell online romance victims or relationship um, victims is to report it. To and not necessarily to have anything done in our case because you can't. Um, but just to to get the report there so that it's on record. Um, to do it in person is a little bit harder because, like you said, you don't. You still love that person. You don't want them to get in trouble. But I'm curious as to how the police react to it now because I'm hoping Uh, it's changed over 50 years.
1: The police here are really great about making sure that the alleged victim is taken care of and... Uh, we have a lot of um, domestic violence resources here. We have a wonderful shelter called Bridges of Williamson County, and we have a lot of resources here. So our police do a really great job of making sure that the person is protected. You know, they um, when they are called out, they investigate, and they don't just – in Tennessee, anyway, they don't just have to take the word of whoever answers the door. They can come in and investigate, and if they feel like something has happened – you know they can make an arrest on their own, regardless of whether the alleged victim wants it or not. Mm-hmm. Do you see this stuff as a lawyer? I don't know what kind of law you do. Yeah, well, I do a lot of family law cases, so that's most of my practice, probably 80% of my practice. And yes, I see it all the time. I represent both men and women in divorces and also situations where domestic uh, abuse has been alleged, and um, sometimes there are orders of protection involved. So. Let's say an event occurs and someone um, has been assaulted uh, by their intimate partner and the police come and the other person is arrested and then the victim can go in Tennessee and get what's called an order of protection and then the judge has a hearing within two weeks of the petition of the order of protection to determine whether that order stays in place and the order prevents the person from coming around um, the victim until there is a hearing and um, then after the hearing, the judge decides whether that's going to continue for the next year. And sometimes it's a little bit shorter than a year. Sometimes it can be extended under certain circumstances. And then if the person violates that order, there's a, a criminal consequence to that here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's probably true almost anywhere right
1: now. Um, cause it, cause probably. It's
0: happening. And we're hearing it happen, like I said was said at the beginning of the show. It's happening quite often now with this shelter at home um, isolation stuff and and you know alcohol sales, and I mean, even down here, restaurants are able to sell to sell alcohol with with dinners that are being picked up to go out. so I'm sure that's contributing to you know people feeling a little bit close in at home. So.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. In my situation, you know, he would, I, I don't really care about alcohol. I could have it, not have it for the rest of my life and be totally fine, but I'll drink in a social situation occasionally. Um, but my ex would drink. And when he would drink certain things, it's almost like he was allergic to it. And I've mm-hmm. told him that before. Um, and it would it would be a situation. So there were times when I knew, oh, he ordered that drink. I need to, you know, back off and go over here in my own little space. Um, and it is a bad situation. I we We started the to go alcohol here too, and I joked about it on Facebook by telling people I'd give them ten percent off their d u i but really it's more <laughs> of a domestic situation um because because people are stuck at home and they don't have anywhere else to go, and then you know the other situation is is that. They, while they are arresting people for major crimes right now, you know, there's they're not quite bringing as many people in on some of these um situations as they would have been a few months ago before we had the safer at home mandates and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's unfortunate, but there are still resources available for people, they can still call the YWCA. They can still call um, local abuse shelters. There are local abuse hotlines a lot of places, and I would encourage people to do that if they're in this unsafe situation at home.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I found another thing that said, and this is, I thought, interesting, because in the scammers world, you know, we worry about the young girls between 13 and 18 who might get lulled into an online relationship and then uh, turns into trafficking. But I found, an, right. uh, I found an interesting number here. It says 4% of high school students report being hit Slapped or physically hurt on purpose by their boyfriend or girlfriend in the last 12 months. That
1: is really sad. It should be zero percent, um, and I am unfortunate. It's unfortunate that that is a statistic at all, and I I, I see it. You know, I have friends that, you
0: know, one in particular, her daughter is in her early 20s, uh, was dating a fella for six or seven years, and they just got married. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this relationship—you're going into it already fighting, fighting all the time—and I'm thinking, who'd want to put themselves into that every kind of, every day? You know? And then to get right. married within within a month, she's calling her mom saying, eh. and I'm like, hey, when you said I do, <laughs> you basically said, mom, you're out. But what is it about the kids that they're actually they're, they're accepting it? Are they seeing it from their parents or other people, or they just feel like they want to be loved so much that they're willing
1: to put themselves through that? I think it's the unrealistic standards that we have these days. I mean, there's so much access to all of these, quote, influencers either online or on television, and they live these totally extraordinary lives that, you know, regular non regular people, non-celebrities are not going to be able to achieve. And I think it puts this totally unrealistic expectation in their head. I also think that a lot of the reality TV shows, some of these things sort of play out and um, these people, and I'm not judging them at all, but they they sort of make things like domestic violence okay. And it's just not. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's sort of desensitized to the point that you know kids don't know that it's not okay. Well,
0: you see it on TV. You know, you right. see it in,
1: in their shows and, and uh, then,
0: then the pranks and everything else. And it's uh, it's just it's it's sad that it starts so early. Um, and again, that went back to, to some of them that were abused as kids, and that's what they grew up with. But right. as a as a woman to to accept, I mean, I keep thinking my husband Lou was six foot four and a huge guy and just audacious and everything. But if he had put a hand on me, I think my bony elbows would have found a spot right in his jaw. Um, and I say that, but you know, I don't know that. I don't know that for sure because if someone had said, Hey Deb, you know, you're going to give a million dollars away to a guy that you don't know, I would have said, Up, ah, you're out of your mind. And,
1: right
0: what did I do, you know, in in the middle of the relationship? What do you do? And um, I'm so glad you're talking about it because, I mean, looking at you and uh, when we were together and speaking to women around the world, I never would have had an idea that something like that had had been part of your life. And I really admire for you for speaking up, for standing up and speaking up and finding your power because I can feel it. Can you feel it when you start talking about this? You just get empowered from the inside out.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's so important for other women to know that they're not alone and that there are other people out there that they can find and they can talk to, um and that they that that they don't feel like, oh, this is just happening to me. I can't talk about this. It's embarrassing. It's you know, yeah, you know, it's a season of your life. You don't have to be in that season forever.
0: That's really important. And and how have you turned this around? What have you done? I know that you you know you're a practicing attorney, but as a motivational speaker, what makes you shine? What what do you love to speak about?
1: So I talk a lot about manifesting and about just regular general personal development and manifesting the life that you want. And I think it's so important that you can you know, attract what you want in your life. And when you're in that really dark situation, you're going to attract more of that dark situation. So you have to do something to pull yourself out of it, even if it is just focusing on, oh, I have, you know, a Zoom date with my friend tomorrow If you focus on the feeling that you get while you're in that situation, you can sort of start changing your mindset over time. And once you change your mindset over time, then you can empower yourself to get out of the situation. And it took me, you know, a couple of really big realizations. I mean, I had friends that were saying things to me, like my best friend I knew did not like my husband. And I didn't have her in my wedding because I knew that if she was a bridesmaid the entire day of my wedding, she would be trying to talk me out of it. And Mm. she did try to talk me out of it, but she wasn't a bridesmaid. So I didn't have as much time for her as I would have if I had made her a bridesmaid. And, you know, that's a really sad situation. And she was really hurt by the fact that I didn't ask her to be a bridesmaid, but that's what I did to protect myself. However, you know, once I started really realizing things, and I've always been a spiritual person, my parents named me after the angels, and I've always had a really deep spiritual connection with my angels specifically. I talk to angels, I'm an angel guide, and for me, it was more of a spiritual situation where I realized, gosh, I'm in this terrible situation. And at the time that I made this realization, I was 37 years old. I was like, well, I'm in this horrible situation and I, you know, if I get out of this, you know, I might not have any children and I might have to be alone. And I was sort of questioning, you know, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to just be alone or am I supposed to continue in this situation? And I asked for guidance from the universe and from the divine and about five minutes later, I was outside walking my dog, and when we were coming back up the steps into inside the house, I slipped, I tripped up the steps, I hit the side of my house, I broke my left ring finger and my right leg, and that was the last time I wore my ring. And so that was a really extreme sign um, for me. <laughs> I would guess. But clearly, after nine years of that, I needed a really extreme sign to get to the point where I, you know, could get myself out of it. And even after that, it was still embarrassing when I was, you know, filing the divorce papers and had to go to court for the divorce and, and all of those things. I mean, it was still really hard. And, um, you know, it's not like you just turn off the switch and stop loving someone just because you have this realization you just have to love yourself more.
0: Did Did your friends come back to you after it was over?
1: And yeah, they all how came they back really and, felt? and they were all like, thank goodness you're out of this. I can't believe you were in that situation. You know, we didn't want to ruin our friendship by, you know, talking about it, but we're glad you're out of it. Yeah. It's interesting
0: how we we as friends hold back, even though we know that something bad is happening. that We kind of... Let you out there and fly. Let you fly on your own. And it's part of it is, you know, we have to have those experiences. But I look right. back now and I'm like, you know what? For me, I want to help protect other women so they don't have to go through what I, what I went through. And right. I'm sure you feel the same way. But there are certain women that maybe are gonna ha- are gonna go through it, and we're just gonna have to be there to pick them up afterwards and say, okay, you're not alone now exactly walk you through this you know help let, let where are, where are your angels my dear you know and how can they help you and uh, and i truly believe in angels too i talk to i talk to them all the time <laughs> you know in a, in a great and spiritual way um well i am so grateful that you uh, that you've given told your story and that you're out there and and speaking around the world just really briefly you know what what was your experience in india like and, and didn't didn't you go
1: on to egypt after that India was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I really, really loved that the ladies um, that were putting on the women 's economic Forum had us in their homes and we got the real authentic Indian experience and it is really different doing that than it is just traveling somewhere and staying in a hotel and eating you know tour at tourist places and things like that. so I just I thought that it was a really magical time in India. And then the Women's Economic Forum. I mean, wow! What a an empowering and uplifting conference that is. Um, after India was over, I went on to Egypt to the annual Women's Economic Forum meeting with over 800 women from 75 different countries and. It was spectacular seeing all of these women from all over the world empowering women in their own countries and in their own um, cities and then coming together to support each other in a world forum. And it was just amazing and totally uplifting.
0: And it's very interesting, too. that I mean, we saw in India, we were with some very well-educated women that were running hospitals and, and non-profits and doing extraordinary things in yes. public, but then you know we would see on the out on the other side, like in personal lives, many of them were in subservient situations. You know that that patriarchal order in the <laughs> I don't know. It was, I have a friend in, who lives in India, and he tells me this that behind the scenes and this is true everywhere in the world there there are many women who might be powerful on the outside but they are not at home and right. I, I i know when i was speaking about my story and i think yours too as to, as we were speaking to the women of india they just soaked it in cuz they're like you're allowed to speak about those things you right. know domestic abuse isn't talked about in india And the ones that did talk about it, some of the younger women that had been trained outside in in the U.K. and the U.S., um, they were the ones that I think loved talking to the Americans at the time because we got it. So do you feel like in those situations, in those conferences now, that maybe from the bottom up, the ground roots up, these women are going to change their parts of the world?
1: Yeah, I think that's. I think that's why these things are so important, you know, having people from other places and seeing that. I mean, we, if we hadn't been in those households, we wouldn't have seen that underlying culture, you know, mm-hmm. of these women that are so powerful and business owners and are doing amazing things. And honestly, like if you look at these women on paper, it's like, you know, everybody is better than the next. Some mm-hmm. of them are Ivy League, most of them are Ivy League educated. And I was like, what am I doing here? It would be easy to, you know, get into that situation. And then, you know, you see how important it is for people like us to go to things like that and be involved in, in conferences like that so that they can see that we're a lot different and that we are strong and powerful women in our personal lives as well.
0: It's important, and and that's true because you go in comparing yourself to everybody else, and we all did that. I did it. You look around, and, and I was one of the older ones there. But after a while, it's just like, you know what? We're all sisters. We've all gone through experiences that have changed us for the good, for the bad, for the ugly, but by speaking up and letting people know about it, it just draws us so close together. And it was, yes. so. for me, it was an extraordinary situation. And I'm glad it happened in January, and not, not me in, too. You know, in March. So um, I'm going to open up our conversation here to our audience and see if we've got some questions. I'm going to unmute everybody. And if they have a question, I think, let me see here. OK, if anybody has a question, please just. Speak up and, and uh, let's talk to Angela about whatever you'd like to. Is anybody out there that would like to ask a question?
2: Hello, Angela. This is Dr. Tim McGinnis. I'm the founder of the organization where I work with Debbie called SCARS. And excellent story. I, I am incredibly sympathetic. My own daughter went through these similar experiences, so I have first hand experience of what it's like to be on the outside, and and the frustration that family members feel trying to provide guidance and support to someone in such a disruptive, uh, irrational, destructive relationship. But I have a question that is more related to your... Thank you. Um, So my question relates to your family law experience because as an organization, and Debbie can certainly attest to this, we have a unique experience that we encounter quite frequently. And these are individuals, most of the time elderly, but not always, sometimes middle-aged, who are involved in romance scams, which by definition is a toxic relationship, but to such an extent that they are completely unable to accept the reality even after they've been shown the proof that they're in such a relationship. And family members turn to us looking for advice, guidance, counsel on how to address these problems. Naturally, we refer them to their local police department uh, for a police intervention to try and do that. But many times, and, and we know of hundreds of families in this situation who are completely unable to get into the mind of, of their family member that they're involved in a, a relationship scam. Um, they're in the, the victims are in total denial. And what we have suggested is that they contact family law attorneys and explore opportunities to utilize the family court system to put this individual, this victim, in a guardianship situation where the family members can at least monitor or take control of the individual's finances so that they will not go further into it, and also possibly that the court can mandate counseling or therapy. Could you give us your thoughts or, or suggestions with regard to that?
1: Yeah, that's a really hard situation when you have somebody who is older that that just can't uh, accept the reality of their situation. And here in Tennessee, when I have people that come in and ask me questions like that, I do uh, recommend conservatorships um, so that the families... Or even a financial person um, appointed by the court can take over the finances for that person until such time as they understand what's happening. Um, And it's a really sad situation because you don't want to see your family member go through the hurt of realization that this is not a real thing, um, which they often do once the financial part of the uh, relationship dries up, then the rest of the relationship dries up as well. But, yeah, we have conservatorships, and we do conservatorships. Every state is different on, you know, what they call them. Some are guardianships, some are conservatorships, um, and the rules for them. Here in Tennessee, you actually have to have a doctor's affidavit recommending the, the conservatorship, which is a little more difficult than some other states. Um, but if you have the proof to show that obviously this is a relationship scam, then usually we can make the conservatorship. Um, situation happen so that the family can take over the finances so that that person isn't abused any any further financially than they already have been. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and we see Thank that down you. here. We see that down here a lot um, with caregivers and caregivers taking advantage of the elderly. Right. Um, elder abuse in Florida is, is just a, a huge problem. And, um, and it's something that a lot of family members may not see because they're living out of state. So right. you've got to be careful about, you know, who you're putting your family members around in a position like that. Do we have any other questions by our, by our listeners today? Okay, what we're going to do now is um, I, I like to do um, – well, Angela, first off, if, if anybody has questions or would like to contact you directly, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: They can uh, find me on Facebook at Angela Hoover Speaker or they can email me at Angela at com. Okay, and you're up in Franklin, Tennessee. I am, yeah. But that
0: doesn't limit us to speaking around the world because <laughs> we've got this crazy no, internet, not at internet all. connection. Which leads me to our, our time a few minutes with Dr. Tim and uh, what's new in the world of scams. Um, last week we talked a little bit about the scammers that were taking advantage of the COVID or the coronavirus and what they're doing is, you know, going around. And Tim, I actually I got another email this week from someone who, um, it was a woman overseas somewhere who said that her her family member had gotten ill with the disease. And I'm like, wow, it didn't take you guys long to tweak your emails. <laughs> so, Dr. Tim, what's new in the world of scams this week?
2: Well, a uh, couple of things. Interestingly enough, I spoke with uh, our, our reform scammer in Ghana last night. Um, he and his family are well. This is an individual who, for many, many years, uh, was involved in various forms of romance, emergency, uh, gold-in-the-box kind of scams, and felt that just his soul was being crushed by this activity and, and gave it up. So what we've been hearing in, in West Africa is that as they lock down as well, scams have actually been going into hyperdrive and massive focus on scams across the globe, focused on the coronavirus, uh, the COVID-19 situation. And actually the thing that we need to bring to everyone's attention today more than anything else is staying on this topic is that now that the United States government particularly has started to flow money into people's bank accounts there are a lot of individuals and Molly. families who are quite who are quite desperate and the problem is that in their divine wisdom the the agency that was probably best equipped to do these payments being the internal revenue service is also the agency that is most difficult to work with. The result is that the IRS has put up uh, several websites allowing filers and non-filers to update their information, et cetera. And I, for example, am someone who uh, falls into the filer category but completely unable to update my information, no support. Uh, The result is I have to file a new tax return in order to be able to even qualify. So the reality is this creates a situation where individuals who have not yet received their stimulus uh, check or or monies in their bank account are scrambling around trying to find out how they can get their information updated and qualify for this. So the result is, is that these email scams, false websites are springing up fast and furious. Um, I've counted at least 100 in the last week that claim to allow American families, individuals to be able to update their personal information. And of course, they ask for everything including social security number, even their IRS uh, secret pins, uh, their social security access information. So the result is, is that we have a perfect storm of phishing scams and identity theft going on all around us right now. It's important to remember that the only agencies that anyone should be communicating with are official .gov websites. And if you receive an email, don't click on the link, but rather copy and paste into your browser and make sure that it is a .gov website. Anything else is likely to be a phishing scam designed to steal your identity. Also, Angela mentioned that she was doing Zoom um, conferences, um, talking with friends and family. Zoom is to be avoided at all costs. It is a toxic application, and the sooner this company goes out of business, the better. Zoom, in fact, not only has an incredibly flawed security model, but just this week, they announced that their entire user database has been breached and that user identities, logins, and information have in fact appeared on the dark web available to any hacker, cracker, or scammer. So Zoom is a product that should be treated as an absolute blacklisted application. You can use Microsoft Teams. You can use WebEx. You can use FaceTime. You can use Facebook Live. There are a number – you can even do video conferencing through uh, WhatsApp or WeChat, assuming that you trust the Chinese. So the reality is there are plenty of safe alternatives to Zoom. So that's it for this week. This is Dr. Tim McGinnis, uh, Chairman and Founder of SCARS And stay safe, everyone.
0: Hey, Tim, I have a quick question, though, about the Zoom, because I've been on some conferences now. They are requiring passwords. How has that um, buttoned up some of the – the security issues
2: Not at all. The security flaw in Zoom is based upon the fact that, like a lot of applications that set you up with a conference call or something else, it gives you a default identifier, and that default identifier is it's it's a bit like sequential passwords that websites used to force on users. So the result is the hackers know, what the sequential URLs, se- sequential identifiers are, and can easily break into that system because the, the first barrier is knowing the address of the Zoom conference. Passwords can easily be cracked by most people because most people don't use a, a secure um, password when they create such a session. It's usually just some word. The safest passwords are always passwords that you can easily remember, but are comprised of three separate words that are unrelated to one another. Not a phrase, but three separate words, like dog, sidewalk, lampshade, for example. Those are almost unguessable even with modern AI. So the reality is Zoom can't be trusted given the state of the art. Zoom is in a panic right now They're facing shareholder revolts and a variety of uh, federal investigations pending by the FTC and others.
0: Interesting, because I know a lot of people have gone to to those platforms now, me included. We did a family one, but I was thinking, well, it's just family, so it's not going to be out there. Although we do have a friend who, a group of lawyers, um, Angela, uh, 100 lawyers last week that the Zoom conference got hacked by a porn horn guy and uh, it was awful my friend that was leading the leading the group it was just horrible for her. so again you know protect yourselves watch out and uh, just do what you can i guess but it's important that we still need to not social socially isolate completely though because that's leading to depression suicide drinking domestic abuse right tim right Okay. <laughs> and Angela, are you still there? I'm here. Okay. I was curious,
1: you know, are you guys doing any business
0: via Zoom
1: or other platforms? Yeah, we've mostly been doing business by telephone um, because most of our clients don't understand web technology. Um, <laughs> yeah. that's okay. Um I get But, it. you know, we did a lot of business by telephone before all of this anyway, so
0: it's totally fine. Okay. So this hasn't totally affected your... Your business, but it has affected a lot of people, and, and that's what we're trying to get the word out. Is you know, especially online, the online dating. Angela, you are single. We haven't yeah. really didn't talk about this. We're, how are you dating today? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, or- did you venture into online dating?
1: Yeah, so I'm on Bumble, and I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to meet other people that I wouldn't otherwise know, interesting people. But, you know, you have to be really careful about, you know, who you're seeing. And um, so right now I'm not really, I mean, obviously I'm not seeing anyone in person. Um, And we're just talking on the application. And, you know, if they check out, then they might get my phone number. Um, Actually, I don't give them a real – number I give them a Google number so is Bumble that's a how local I do, thing? Or,
0: is, is Bumble for local or is it I, obviously I didn't do Bumble so I don't I don't know that platform
1: um I mean it's a it's an international application but you can set your settings to a certain number of miles away I have mine set to I think 12 miles away so mm-hmm. I see people within a 12 mile radius
0: geographically desirable is the way I used to put it
1: yes exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> so and, and do you have any tips for people going on to Bumble?
1: Um, just be yourself and be careful about who you're giving information to. And absolutely
0: true. That and that's true for anybody on any social media platform. Um, again, we've I've been working with women that got scammed on words with friends. And some of those, oh, wow. those game those game things that you would never ever anticipate someone was going to scam you but it's developing a relationship they want to be your friend and in this world where our friends are not you know knocking on our doors to come visit people are opening up their computers and saying hey i've got friends so be really careful and but the friends you do have have you had an opportunity to connect with some of the girls that we went to egypt with or to uh, india with
1: Yeah, on the phone and by text message and FaceTime and things like that. And it's fun, you know, just to touch bases. So now it's the time,
0: especially those of us that have large lists online, you might want to touch bases with those folks in person on the phone. Absolutely. On the phone and have fun and and enjoy. So Angela, you know, your story is so compelling and so interesting, and I'm really, really grateful that you um, are willing to share it because many people are hiding behind that mask. And, and like you put out on your one of your Facebook announcements this morning, that it would have been easier to, to crawl under the covers this morning at 8 o'clock and hide the story rather than get out and talk about it. Um, but I, I encourage you to do so because there's so many women out there that need to know that they're not alone.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for giving me the platform to talk to people today, Debbie. I really appreciate it. Well, it's important for us to stand up and speak up and get our power back and really
0: find out who we are from the inside out. And I really, I love it when people, you know, contact us and they want to turn their pain into their passion because it's something that's part of our lives now. And we can't change what happened in the past, but we can change how we're going to look at it going forward and who we can, you know, help along the way and be there for along the way. And that's what we found when we were, at least what I found when we were in India. Um, that there are women that were sitting beside us that had similar stories but were hiding them because they felt like they were alone. And once they heard that story, they just opened up. I mean, I had so many women come up and just give me hugs saying, I've heard that story before, I've had this happen, or someone else has had it happen. But because they didn't understand that there are a lot of us out there that have been through these things. Um, they felt like they had to shut down and, and just keep it all inside, and that's not the point. The point is now to, to speak up. And I, there's a saying that I have on my on my website it's from an, uh, Maya Angelou, and it says, "There's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you." And that is that's it. That's profound. Yeah. And so, Angela, last last words to our, our women listening and men listening.
1: Don't be afraid to reach out to your people. If you're in a situation, they're not going to turn their backs on you just because you maybe haven't been in touch or you've isolated yourself. They're still going to be there for you. And it, starts, it could start with your family.
0: It could start with your friends. It's just find one trusted person and then go from there. Absolutely. And tell your story and you'll have an instant friend sitting beside you that you didn't know before. So I want to thank you all. Thank you, Dr. Tim, for giving us the what's new in the world. Uh, he'll be back with us again next week. And I want to thank our listeners for being here. If you need to contact me or would like to contact me, I'm at Debbie, D-E-B-B-Y, at The Woman Behind the Smile, or the website, The Woman Behind the Smile. We've got some really fun things happening, and we've got some great guests coming up in the, in the future. So we want you to be here every Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern Time for our editions of Stand Up and Speak Up, uh, this week, go out there, find your power, be careful, be safe, be healthy, and watch out for you know someone that's out there to hurt you. So thanks again, Angela. Stay safe up in Tennessee, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Debbie. All right. Take care, everybody. Have a great day.